Welcome to the Photo Banter Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gagne, and on today's podcast, I speak with photographer Amanda Friedman. Amanda is a Los Angeles-based photographer who has worked with clients such as American Express, Apple, GQ, and Vanity Fair, to name a few. In this interview, I speak to Amanda about how she got her start, her approach to marketing, and her interesting experience photographing a pimp named Don Magic Juan. Amanda is a great photographer, and I really enjoyed speaking with her, so I hope you enjoy it, and thanks so much for listening. All right, well, Amanda Friedman, uh, welcome to the podcast. Uh, Thanks for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be a part of this podcast. Yeah, definitely. I I talked to um, Joe Torino, a friend of yours, and uh, he was hyping you up. And I've been following your work since I went to RIT, so I was excited to talk to you more. Um, But I guess just to kind of start off, I was kind of curious what you've been working on lately. What I've been working on lately? Well, to start off the new year, um, I had a couple of editorial jobs. The first being for Yoga Journal, which was fun. I photographed this woman, this yogi named Skylar Grant up in Topanga Canyon. And she was amazing and so much fun to shoot. Was with her all day at this beautiful compound in Topanga, the most gorgeous landscape surrounding me. And it was basically the easiest job ever because <laughs> the environment was amazing, the location was amazing, and she was amazing. Yeah, isn't so it? I, it? It's always yeah. like it's always like a good feeling, like when you walk into like there's like certain locations. Do you feel like you walk into it and you're like, all right, I'm gonna get gold out of this just because like yeah, the location this you just know it's gonna be good, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, I felt very lucky that day. I really, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. And I, the art director had sent me a little mood board and some location photos, but it didn't really do the location justice. So when I arrived, I was just blown away and was like, okay, I'm, this is going to be cake. Yeah. The light was amazing that day. We started really early. So I got, you know, the good morning light and then we were there till sunset. And of course, at the end of the day, with Magic Hour, the photos were just amazing. <laughs> yeah. So everybody was going nuts. Yeah. And yeah, it was just it was a great spot to shoot. That's exciting. So I and, felt, and yeah, with super like, lucky. With like the editorial stuff you do, do, is do you spend a lot of the time like finding the locations yourself, or is it sometimes the magazines dictating that, or um, how does that usually kind of work out for you normally? As of late, the magazines have been coming to me with the locations, which makes my job a whole lot easier. Mm -hmm. I just have to be prepared and do my research and homework and kind of figure out what I'm getting myself into. Um, So, you know, for example, next week I'm photographing um, for uh, Nexos and... uh, the subject is Rita Moreno and they came to me and they said, yeah, we're, we're going to be shooting at the Figueroa hotel downtown. Mm. So just, it's just one less thing that I have to worry about. Yep. Um, on, on the flip side, when I get to find locations myself, I have way more control. I get to poke around and go on Airbnb and try to find cool homes or a park or someplace that, that just is visually inspiring. Mm. And, and the control is in my hands, so that that's always a good thing. That's interesting to hear. So you'll use Airbnb sometimes for locations for your shoots sometimes? Yeah, used to, or Gigster, or there's another website called Peerspace. Mm. Um, it depends on the budget of the magazines. Yep. Um, a lot of times the big fancy homes are too expensive, you know, through image locations or legend or what, what have you. And I just, the magazines just don't have enough money mm. to float that. So um, if the shoot is short enough, generally I can get away with, yeah, booking a place on Pure Space or Gigster. Yeah. I can, you know, pull, yeah. That's see smart. if Airbnb will let me come in for the afternoon. <laughs> yeah. No, that's smart. I never really thought to do that. I've I've used this one app, Breather Space, but it's primarily like office space. So if you ever need to do like corporate stuff, that that works good too. But that, that's that's smart to kind of utilize any way to find locations because, as you know, locations can be pretty expensive sometimes. Oh yeah, especially in LA, it's pretty tough. 
Mm. Or you have to worry about permits or are you going to get in trouble? Yep. Do you have too many people in your crew? You have to keep it really low key and mm. just, you know, you just need to keep a low profile so that you don't get in trouble. Yeah, but definitely. I've never been, I've never gotten busted. So that's, right. that's been a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's good. Uh, but I yeah. guess to go back a little bit, I was kind of curious, like where you grew up and like, what are your kind of earliest memories of photography? How did you kind of get into it originally? Well, I'm originally from Birmingham, Michigan, which is part of suburban Detroit. Mm. I'm about 45 minutes from downtown. Yep. And some of my earliest memories of photography stem back, well, I don't know, there are always photo books in my mom's house uh, lying around, like the old Life magazine books, and I just remember flipping through those mm. and always being just wowed by what, what I was seeing. I didn't really know what any of the photos meant. I was really young, but I just thought they were really cool. Yeah. And um, as I got older, my, my dad's wife, my stepmom, um, when I was in eighth grade, she got a job at a small uh, paper in suburban Detroit called the Oakland Press. And she was taking black and white photos at concerts and doing all sorts of cool stuff around town. She actually went to the Academy Awards and photographed all sorts of celebrities. And she was very instrumental in my my early influence of photography. She gave me my first camera, a Nikon S. All of her photos were all hanging all over the house. And um, yeah, she was, I just remember a photo, she went to a Sting concert and had this awesome photo of Sting on the wall. Yeah. And this great photo of Jack Nicholson. And I just, yeah, I was always looking at these photos being like, this is so cool. I would love to learn more about this. That's pretty exciting. So, and was she kind of teaching, yeah. was she kind of just teaching you the basics too? Like how to, how, what like F stops are and shutter speeds and things like that? Or not so much the technical stuff. Yeah. She only was, I think she was only at the paper for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And by that time I was in high school. I think she was there from when I was like in eighth or ninth grade. And then in 10th grade, I started taking photo classes in high school because I was really interested in photography. And that's sort of where the technical stuff, you know, very mild stuff came in. Mm. Um, I was in the dark room. I was taking photos of my friends. I was going out, you know, taking pictures of railroad tracks. (laughs) (laughs) Railroad (laughs) tracks. Everyone's got that. (laughs) Yeah, right. Got a lot of pictures of my friends at railroad tracks. And, um, but yeah, that was sort of where I learned about composition, about developing film, being in the dark room, all sorts of great stuff. So all of that combined basically led to my, my love for photography at an early age. That's exciting. I don't know, not that early. <laughs> Um, when you kind of start thinking it could be like a career for you, um, I know you're kind of doing it in high school. What, what was kind of your next step? At, did you end up studying photography in school or what was kind of your next step, I guess, after high school? Well, I really loved art and photo in high school and art was always my strong suit. Hmm. Um, but I never, you know, people always told me, oh, you never make a career out of that. Mostly my friends. I don't think my parents ever said that to me, but Everyone's like, oh, I don't know if you should do that. That's probably not a good idea. And so when I was a senior applying to colleges, I, I was thinking, okay, maybe I'll just do general studies and art hmm. and kind of figure out my path at that point. And I ended up getting into a bunch of colleges. I decided to go to UW-Madison and just study art there. Hmm. Um, and then I was there for two years realized, okay, I love art, you know, I got a good foundation of art history and whatnot, and I was dabbling into painting, but I just really, really loved photography so much. I even took photo at Madison, but it wasn't, they're not known for their photo program. Yeah. And so during my sophomore year, I just realized, okay, I really, I want to do photos, what I love the most, and I'm just, I need to transfer into a photo school and take the leap and see if I can do this. Mm. And that was, I actually also had a little epiphany walking around the lake in Madison. (laughs) I asked the universe to show me a sign. This is kind of a silly story. (laughs) Hopefully I'm not going to get a lot of shit for this, but um, I asked the universe 
to show me a sign if I should be a photographer. And that night I had the craziest bloody nose I've ever <laughs> had in my entire life. I've never had a bloody nose since then. And then I was like, all right, I guess I'm going to try to be a photographer. That's right. Amanda, Amanda's going to bleed for photography. That's how much she loves yes. it. <laughs> exactly. Well, no, I mean, that was, that's just a silly thing. But yeah, I, I really did just want to, get into a school where I could primarily focus on photo and learning as much as I could about it. Yep. So that's when I was researching schools and I RIT popped up and that just, that was the spot for me. Yeah. So I applied and got in and that's the rest is history. Yeah. That's so I a, transferred in. Yeah. I remember, I think, I think you might've had some of the same professors I had. I think Mark Haven. Do you remember him? Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, he was an interesting guy. Um, but how was your kind of experience RIT? Do you feel like it was a pretty useful experience for you? Did you um, walk away feel like you got something out of it? Yeah, I, I was only there for two and a half years. I did the summer transfer program. Yep. And then I was there for my junior and senior year, and then I was able to walk away with my BFA, which, of course, is always good to have on your resume. Yep. But, I mean, in the long run... RIT was super technical. There was a little bit of fine art stuff sprinkled in there, and I had an amazing color teacher, Dan Larkin. I don't know if you had him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, who, I mean, basically, yeah, he was amazing. And I I did learn a lot, but I think I learned the most when I moved to L.A. and I started assisting. Mm. I mean, I used to tell people that, yeah. you know, when they would ask me how I got my start, which should I, should I go to school? And I'm like, well, you know, there's a lot of money mm-hmm. and you can probably learn more in one or two years of assisting than you can in two to four years of college. I mean, that was just my experience. I, I don't know. Yeah, definitely. I definitely. Like, I don't like I've, I've talked to so many photographers and like a lot of them didn't go to school for photography at all. And they're really successful. I think if you want to shoot at the end of the day, like, um, people that are, are going to hire you, they're looking at your portfolio. Like have, has any client ever asked to see your like resume or anything like no. that? Exactly. Cause they're just looking, no, at, they're looking yeah. at your work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I was sending out my resumes to assist, I was like, okay, I'm going to put, I have my BFA. That's a good thing. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I, yeah, I learned more assisting than I did in my two years at RIT. Absolutely. And even, I, mean, I don't want to knock RIT because <laughs> it was great, but. <laughs> no, I know what you mean. It's, it's a balance. It's like you, you learn the technical stuff and then you kind of get in the real world and you kind of figure out what you're going to do. Um, but even like when you're at RIT, what kind of stuff were you shooting photos of? Um, like what, looking at your work now, it's a lot of portraiture and things. Was that kind of always what you're interested in or what were you kind of shooting um, even when you're at RIT? Yeah. Yeah, you know, shooting my friends, shooting landscapes. I, I started my night landscape project my last year at RIT. So that was a really good start for me in terms of the fine art aspect. Um, and I was able to build my portfolio mm. and get something to bring to L.A. to show people. I, did you have Dennis Stepabaugh when you were there? Oh, was, yeah. I, I spent a month with, yeah. with that guy out in Zion National Park. They did like a... Oh, nice. Yeah, great guy. Oh, yeah. I mean, he. I learned a lot from him in terms of stepping out into the real world and being prepared mm-hmm. um, for what, you know, what was going to happen if we moved to a big city, either yeah. New York or L.A. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, going back to what you said for, with school, yeah, portraits, landscapes, that was my jam. Yeah. Um, and what kind of what kind of what what kind of drew you to ahead. what kind of drew you to LA? What was kind of what made you kind of want to move that that route? Well, that was primarily Joe Torino. We were dating at RIT, and he was originally from Miami. And he said, "Why don't he didn't want to move to New York? I was ready to move to New York, mm-hmm. just being from the Midwest, and that's where all the photographers went." But Joe was like, "No, why?" why are we going to do that? That's where everybody is. Why don't we go to LA? And I just remember being like, all right, sure. <laughs> let's do it. Screw it. Yeah. <laughs> we only knew one person here and basically, I don't know. I, we just decided to do it and we did it. Nice. And it was great having him as a partner in the big move because it was pretty, it's 
a pretty major thing to do. Hell yeah. You know, when you're 22. New area. New big city. New area. You got no money. You got, you don't know nobody and you don't know if it's going to work out. So you're just kind of tossing it out there. Um, but oh yeah. My parents, yeah. My parents were like, uh, okay. <laughs> Are you going to be, this is going to be interesting. We'll help you as much as we can, but good luck. Yeah. We'll see you back in Michigan in a year. Yeah. 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 So. so when you got to LA, were you doing some assisting for a while or what was kind of your first step once you got to LA? Yeah. I mean, basically we started compiling names of photographers we wanted to work with. Joe was more interested in shooting right off the bat, but I was a little scared to do that. I just wanted to really just get some more knowledge, mm -hmm. technical knowledge, and see what photographers were doing out here. So I just remember looking at source books and finding photographers and then just cold calling them yep. and being like, hey, uh, I, I would love to come and meet you and work with you. For, I can work for you for free. Wow. Um, I just moved here. Yeah, I mean, I, I worked for free, I think, for a few months. Damn. For a few photographers. That's pretty. That's pretty. Then, um, pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, we were able. Joe and I were. We lived pretty cheaply. We had a tiny little apartment in Hollywood. We had a roommate. I mean, I think my rent was three hundred dollars. Yeah. So <laughs> it was. We just weren't spending a lot of money, so I, I was able, and I had some savings, yep. so I was able to do that for the first few months. And then, you know, after a while, photographers would feel guilty about not paying me. And then they would offer me, yeah, and it, you know, half rate or whatnot. And I think it just shows people that you're, you're ready to hustle and you, you want to get in the mix. And I think that kind of goes a long way, you know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And so I don't know what happened, but I was able, well, Joe got hooked up with Art Stryber yep. and assisted Art a few times, but I don't know, Joe was, a he's, self-admitted terrible assistant so i know he said that on your last podcast so i can say it again yeah, yeah but through joe through joe i was able to get a meeting with art yeah and then art got me into his office which was amazing because there's so much behind the scenes stuff that you need to know to make it in this business i i would i would i would argue that stuff's almost more important sometimes than like uh sometimes the creative stuff it feels like because there's like certain oh, yeah certain photographers that i assisted for and I wasn't really big fans of their work by any means, but they were really successful because they just knew how to like operate a business and they were like this straight salesman. And it, it goes a long way because with this job, you're constantly pitching yourself for jobs and marketing yourself. And would you feel like that's just kind of a big component of it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, with art, I was in there helping him organize negatives, just organization, just seeing the, his workflow. Yep. It was, I mean, that was huge. I owe him so much for giving me that opportunity to be in there, mm -hmm. answering phone calls, dealing with clients. I mean, at that time, he was shooting negative and chrome and just seeing the film go out, seeing it come back in, seeing him edit. I mean, just the whole day-to-day -day process behind the scenes. It was just, that was invaluable. Yeah, definitely. So, How long did you end up assisting for before you kind of broke off on your own to start shooting? I was probably assisting for about a year and a half to two years. I worked with art pretty much on and off. He had me in the office and then he finally brought me out on set, which was amazing. Mm. And I was actually, I was the film log girl logging Chrome. Oh, wow. And, you know, wrapping film and dropping it. Yeah. So that was fun. Film notes, shoot notes, dealing with all that and helping out with the grip stuff when I could and the lighting stuff when I could. What was his, um, was, and then I, was his shoots back then? Because like, look, everybody follows him on Instagram now, and it's like these huge productions. Like his has his shoots always been like that? Like these huge productions he's kind of doing, even when you're working with them back. Oh then? yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. He, yeah, pretty big. I mean, I've yeah, it's been a long time, but I yeah. feel like yeah, he's very technical. He knows how to light. Yep. He knows all the gear. He's super organized, super meticulous. Mm -hmm. So amazing with clients. Yep. The best personality. I mean, he's a legend in LA. Definitely. Art, if you're listening, hello. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah. My time spent with him was, like I said, invaluable. And then, and then the, um, yeah, how did you kind of make your jump into, like, start shooting? How are you kind of getting your work out there? Well, I entered, I decided to enter this Surface Magazine Avant Guardian competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just an open entry, you know, open call for entries. Surface was based out of San Francisco at that time. And I decided to enter 
in some portraits and some of my night landscapes to see if I could get a fashion spec story out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think from all the submissions, they picked 10 finalists and I, I ended up being a finalist and getting a fashion spec story, which was super fun wow. and amazing. And I produced the whole thing. I had to get the models. I had to figure out the location. I had to book hair and makeup. The magazine had the clothes. I think I shot Rick Owens clothing and Tommy Hilfiger clothing. And I was sent boxes of clothing from New York and I had to put together a fashion shoot. And from there, the editor in chief, the creative director, you know, picked a bunch of images. He ended up picking one image and then a night landscape and running that in the magazine. And that was sort of my, that was, that told me that people were responding to my work Mm. and that I could actually take a leap of faith and try to start shooting on my own. Yeah. That's pretty exciting. So, and like, yeah, it was awesome. And like looking at your work, like you kind of like nowadays you do a lot of celebrity stuff, but then you have on your website, you do like fashion and stuff. Like when you first kind of started when you're in LA, was it your goal to kind of shoot like celebrity portraits or was it kind of fashion when you first started? Did you kind of have like a, was there something you were kind of striving for early on? I mean, I knew being in LA celebrity portraiture was definitely a huge possibility mm-hmm. more so than fashion. I mean, getting that fashion story was huge. And like I said, my stepping stone in the shooting, yep. but I, at the time I was like, okay, I need to make a decision. Do I seriously want to pursue fashion? I mean, I'm in LA. I, can't be in LA and shooting fashion. I need to be in New York. Yep. And I just didn't have the connections yet. I didn't know people. I wasn't familiar with that world. Yeah. So I kind of made the decision that I probably didn't want to pursue fashion seriously, that I should pursue other avenues. Mm. Like, yeah, like portraiture, travel, Mm. what have you. That's exciting. And who were kind of some of the first clients you started working for? I know you mentioned the first gig you got, but who were kind of the first clients you started working with in LA? Was it mostly kind of editorial stuff around there? or what Yeah. Kind? Yeah. Some of my first jobs, well, I think through the surface thing, um, Soma magazine, which was another cool magazine based out of San Francisco. They yep. must've seen that shoot. They got in touch with me about do about sort of or documenting the sunset strip from the beach all the way to downtown. Mm-hmm. So that was a really fun first assignment. Um, and then from just from sending out promo cards with Joe, we, you know, we compiled these huge mailing lists and would send out promos three to four times a year. Mm. People started calling and asking to see my portfolio. And I think some of my first jobs were for, um, it's kind of funny, for The Source and Double XL magazine. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, this science magazine called Discover. I don't think it's around anymore. Yeah, I think you, sh- biggest... you shot you shot like Exhibit from the guy from Pimp My Ride, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I shot a lot of <laughs> crazy people for both of those magazines. That's exciting. Some of my most fun jobs. That's exciting. Do you kind of, do you remember the first, do you remember the first celebrity you, you got hired to photograph? Um, let's see. First big celeb <laughs> i gotta think back I know oh you, my gosh you probably you photographed everybody <laughs> i mean for xxl xxl used to give me a lot of great hip-hop artists mm-hmm. um actually one kinda... i was I, I was talking to joe torino before this asking him what questions i should ask you and he mentioned one shoot you you photographed bishop don magic Wan. And he said that, that you had oh, yeah. a, you had an interesting story with that shoot. I was wondering, uh, <laughs> what was that for, and what, what was kind of your story with that? Um, I yes, yeah, so I shot the Archbishop Don Magic Wand for Double XL. I hope I'm I'm pretty yeah yeah it was for Double XL, and he is a retired pimp. <laughs> But he was part of Snoop Dogg's entourage yep. just because he had the most fabulous wardrobe. I mean, he would have these custom outfits made for him. All green. He and wears like... All, all, yeah, green and gold because green is for the money and oh, gold yeah. is for the honey. That was his <laughs> motto. <laughs> oh, so I get this call to shoot him and I take my cute assistant with me, um, this girl named Bethany. Yep. And we show up at 
the bishop's apartment in Mid-City on a Saturday afternoon at like 1 p.m. And I just remember knocking on the door and Bishop opens the door and I, you know, hold my hand out to shake his hand. And he's like, "Uh uh-uh, no, no, no handshakes, hugs. (laughs) (laughs) He like goes in. Gives us all hugs, and he's like, damn, they sent me some fine-looking ladies from Double XL. Oh, my God. Were you, like, ner- <laughs> then, nervous at this point? Like, oh, God, like, what's I, gonna... <laughs> I don't even know. I was, We were just sort of in awe of this guy. And then he proceeded to give us champagne on ice and giant <laughs> bedazzled chalices that said the bishop on the side of it. Jeez. Um, he proceeds to show us all of his closets, which are overflowing with capes, and alligator boots and leather, you know, crazy, just his whole wardrobe was insane. Mm. And then, um, you know, he's like, all right, well, let's get started. So at that time I was shooting film, I was shooting four by five and with my Mia RZ and he starts smoking joints. Right. And, you know, maybe an hour through the shoot, he offers me a little puff and he offers Bethany a puff. Yep. So we're like, all right, you know, let's just take a puff. It's not, you know, no big deal. Mm-hmm. I don't know what was going on, but that was probably some of the strongest <laughs> oh, man. stuff I've ever smoked in my life. <laughs> yeah. And I was basically cross-eyed for the next, I don't know, hour. Trying to, <laughs> trying, trying to load four by five trying film hold. Trying to shoot four by five in his lobby. Jeez. And I remember Bishop looking at me and he's like, you're fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, thanks to you. Like, what did you give me? <laughs> but then it was fine. Then it was fine. Yeah. And then the rest of the shoot was, you know, went off without a hitch. And by the end of the day, we were all smitten with him. Yep. You know, I think he has those pimp powers. So oh my God. We were all like, we love you, Bishop. Yep. And um, he gave us a bunch of gifts when we left. He gave us like a little bottle of Giorgio perfume and a little player's handbook. And <laughs> yeah. And then proceeded to call me a couple times after the shoot to try to get me to meet him out. But uh, I never, yeah, I never yeah. took him up on the offer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like the job, en- the job ended, Bishop. <laughs> Move on. <laughs> Uh, that's, that's an interesting one. Is that kind of like, is that what's kind of fun about editorial for you is you just kind of get thrown into these like worlds and you kind of just got to create something quick and it's always just different personalities you're working with. Oh yeah. I mean, you meet the coolest, craziest, wackiest people on, on this job. Mm. I, I mean, I've, yeah, I have a lot of stories. Yeah. I mean, most of them are from the early days, but yeah, I mean, yeah, this job is the best. Yeah, it's definitely. Just, you, you know, I love being around interesting, fascinating people. Mm. And I'm, you know, I've, yeah. So, yeah, definitely. That one. That was an epic one for and, sure. And like, <laughs> <an> epic shoot. <laughs> and like one thing I kind of always ask people is like, did it take you a while to kind of like find your like photographic style or like aesthetic, the way you shoot? Um, d- do you always kind of shoot in the style you did or to kind of take you a while to kind of find your, your niche, I guess? Well, I think just even it sort of happened. I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that I was shooting with the RZ and with the Toyo with mm-hmm. the four by five, because you have, you really have to sort of slow down and compose your shots and you're on a tripod. I mean, definitely with the four by five, you're on a tripod. So your subjects are pretty posed and they're holding still. Yep. So my thing was just sort of graphic, clean, still quiet portraiture. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what, I feel like that theme carries through my, my early work from, you know, 2000 to 2010. Mm. Um, when I, when I stopped shooting large format, when I made a transition to digital. Was that, was that? Um, a- but I still, I, it was tough. It yeah. was hard. It was a very hard transition for me. I mean, I still try to emulate that, but it, nothing comes close to film yeah, and de- film cameras. Definitely. And like when you're working commercially, because I know you do like advertising and you do your editorial stuff, do you feel like it's important to kind of create a niche for yourself and what you do? Um, because it's interesting with you, you do, mo- you do mostly portraiture, but then you do like some cool like travel stuff on your website too. Um, do you feel like you kind of have to have like a niche when you're kind of wor- trying to work commercially? Uh, I mean, that is good. People have always said that's a good thing. Yep. I don't know. I... 
I really love shooting everything. I mean, with travel, you're shooting landscapes, interiors, exteriors, food, people. I mean, I like shooting everything. So why limit yourself? I don't know. Why limit myself? Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've had a lot of travel jobs that have been successful. I've been hired to do travel stuff. So I'm not going to stop doing that Mm -hmm. because I feel like, okay, my work is all over the place, but I don't know. I mean, hopefully there's some semblance of cohesiveness throughout the portraits and the travel stuff. I think so. I mean, that's what I'm aiming. There's that's l- what I'm aiming for. Yeah, like the, the <laughs> like the color palette and everything seems very similar. It all kind of to me, it all kind of works together. Um, I I always love that when people like mix like portraits with like little details and things. I think it kind of helps like tell the story more. Um, so it is interesting, yeah. kind of getting a broader thing, but. Have you ever felt like you needed to like create work to attract clients or do you just kind of shoot what you like and kind of put it out there and hope people like enjoy it, I guess? Well, I mean, it's always good for people to shoot personal projects mm-hmm. and just shoot as much as you can. Yep. And then, yeah, if the work is good, if you like the work, yeah, of course, send it out to people. See yep. what kind of a response you get. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I definitely need to be doing more of that. It's, yep. it's just hard as your career snowballs and you're doing more and more shoots, you have less time yep. to do personal projects, but you really need to carve out time to do that. That's like one of my New Year's resolutions. Yeah, I think <laughs> to so. To do more of that. I think, it's, I think it's smart because like, I mean, obviously the editorial and the commercial stuff, those jobs are all fun. But I think uh, sometimes it can, if that's all you're doing, I feel at least for me, it can. My, I feel like my work can start to feel stale. So anytime when oh, I yeah. shoot something for myself, there's no, there's no limitations, and I'm not thinking about like what some client wants in the back of my mind. It's just like I'm gonna shoot this the way I want to do it, and you don't have to worry about the other stuff, you know? Yeah, you're absolutely right, and that's so important throughout anyone's career. Yeah. To keep doing that always. Yeah, because I, I think for, for me for a while, like I was shooting like all these jobs for like Liberty Mutual and they were great. They're like mm-hmm. paying my bills, but like I never put any of that stuff on my website, not because I'm like ashamed of it, but it's just like they're not, it's just like business dudes, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you want to, yeah, I, I get it. I mean, there's so many, I have so many shoots like that. It's mm-hmm. like, mm, I'm not going to put that. <laughs> <laughs> there's, not, there's, nothing, there's nothing wrong with it and you're you're probably proud of the photo. It's just like, not it's not there's not like the excitement with like maybe some of the other portraits you're doing or whatnot um yeah yeah absolutely one thing on your website i'm i'm guessing it's a personal project maybe not the night landscapes i was curious like when you kind of started how did that kind of come about well that started uh my last year at rit i just remember going out it was a really foggy night i just was like oh it's really pretty i should go out and shoot so i i grabbed my my Rolleiflex, my twin lens reflex camera and a bunch of 800 speed speed film and my tripod. And I just went out and drove around the city looking for cool spots to shoot. Mm. And that basics that night ended up being the kickstart to that whole project. I mean, people really love the work. I remember getting the film back and being like, Oh wow. Okay. (laughs) This does look pretty cool. Yeah. Let's, I want to do more of this. Mm. So um, when I moved to L.A., anytime there was a foggy night, I just remember hustling to get out and shoot as much as I could, you know, within a four or five hour time span until I was too tired yeah, the LA, <laughs> to go any further. The L.A. stuff so the L.A. stuff so interesting because like L.A., there's so many people that live there and there's so many lights and it, you get all these interesting colors. Like you have some that are like purple and red and then there's like yellow and green it just seems like la the nightlife it's like uh there's just so many colors to work with with that stuff oh yeah Uh, just a bonanza i mean i every time i would go out and shoot i would come back with something at least one image that i was really in love with Mm. and the film just shooting film on large you know with large and medium format cameras made such a difference i mean digital just does not compare especially with even today even with long exposures i feel like film this it, it, it handles it a lot better this seems smoother in my experience oh um, yeah so much more the colors are so much more rich and the blacks are deeper it's just really buttery i i just can't 
digital just still isn't there yet. I mean, I know if you're a digital guru, there's probably <laughs> skins you can put on. Yeah, and yeah, I'm yeah. sure there's some amazing digital cameras that you can shoot with now, but I just haven't. Yep. Yeah, I haven't discovered them yet. Film is still where it's at for me with that project. Yeah. No, and, um, then, and then looking at it, it looks like you ended up like licensing some of the photos to like, I think some author like Michael Connolly for like a book. Um, was, yeah. Was that yeah. something you shot for him or did they just kind of reach out and wanted to use your photo? Well, the surprising thing with that uh, situation came about because I was with Getty Images. They asked me to sign with them back in 2001. Mm-hmm for stock and I gave them some of my night landscapes and his publishing, the publishing company bought a couple of my images to use as his book cover or for two books mm. or maybe one book. I don't remember. This was quite, quite some time ago, but then his team got in touch with me personally about shooting, doing a spec shoot for them to see if I could produce any work that would be fitting for another book cover. Oh, wow. So yeah, that was great. But unfortunately, there was no fog. Oh, man. <laughs> so um, I ended up going out and shooting for them for a couple of nights, and I just couldn't get the atmospheric darkness, low, you know, lonely, scary, yeah, there's not... mysterious images that they wanted. I mean, I unless I, you know, hired a huge crew and got some fog machines and <laughs> yeah. rented Griffith Park. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's pretty funny. So, no, that's interesting. And yeah. I was, that was one thing I was going to ask you because, like, looking at your website, um, part of your business is, like, syndication and then, like, some stock photography. I was curious, like, uh, how does the syndication stuff work for you? Is it mostly a lot of the times the celebrities you're shooting, people kind of reach out and want to license it? Or how does the – how would you explain syndication for people listening? Um, well, syndication is a great thing if you're shooting celebrities because there's always a need – for content. I mean, those people are famous and publications and websites all over the globe are always looking for fresh imagery of the latest, hottest star. Mm -hmm. So I had the, uh, I had the pleasure of working with um, Icon International, which unfortunately is no longer in business, but they were sort of my jump into the celebrity syndication Mm -hmm. arena. Mm -hmm. Back in, I think, 2007, I started giving them all my celebrity stuff. Okay. So they were just selling images over and over and over again to, you know, clients all over the world. And And it's just a great way to make supplemental income. Yeah, and with that stuff, like when you're shooting these celebrities, are you having them sign model releases to be able to sell them again? Or how does that kind of work? Well, so what happens when you shoot a celebrity is that the publicists usually interview their photo agreement, which says, you know, you are photographing this person. If you want to put these images into syndication, we have to have approval rights okay. before any sales take place. So the great thing about Icon International, and now I'm with Trunk Archives. Um, they deal with all my current celebrity stuff, um, is that Trunk will get in touch with the publicist and they'll say, oh, you know, OK Magazine in London wants to run this image of, well, I don't know. Whoever, Bill Gates. Yeah, whoever, yeah, Bill Gates. Um, you know, we they will basically get approval from the publicist. Mm. And they'll say, like, here's here's our select. Can you tell us which images we can syndicate? Mm. And the publicist will look at all of my images, and she'll be like, okay, you can sell this image, this image, this image, and this image. Nice. And then Trunk will then take mm. the images that are approved and show them to OK Magazine. And let's say, these are the images that are approved. Yep. You can pick one of these five to run. Nice. So it's just all about making sure you have permission from the publicist no, that's, and everything's approved. No, it's interesting in this. I'm sure a large part of it is just kind of organizing your archive of images and make sure you send it to your agency so that they have stuff to like sell, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have to submit, you know, I try to submit to trunk at least, I don't know, every other month just to give them fresh images. Mm. Um, no. And yeah. No, it's interesting. And then, you know, one thing I was going to ask you is like, I'm sure this has happened to you. I think it has happened to every photographer at some point is have you ever had someone use your image uh, without your consent? And like, how do you kind of deal with those scenarios? 
I haven't had that happen. Have I have, that hasn't happened to me in a really long time. Mm. I don't think that's ever happened to me. Wow. Maybe if it has, it's happened a few times, and I'll just be like, hey, can you take it down? <laughs> take my image down off of your website. Yep. But now I'm working with this company called Image Rights yep. out of Boston, mm-hmm. and they will, if I submit a job to them, they, uh, if I put all the images in from a particular job, they have this system that finds people that have used my images without permission. Yeah. And from there, we can, you know, go after them or say, take this image down unless you pay us, you know, $200. Mm. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot different now these days because it's happened to me before. I even had Red Bull. They just yanked one of my photos and posted it on their Instagram and I mean, I'm sure some people would think that's nothing, but Red Bull is a gigantic corporation that has like millions of followers and they just like yanked my photo and I ended up mentioning them. They took it down, but it's just with, with like the internet nowadays, it's like you, at least for me, I feel like I got to like keep my eyes peeled because you never know who's going to, oh, yeah. who's going to take your stuff. Cause it's happened to me a few times, but yeah, it's just part of the gig. I Did guess. they give you credit? Did they just post it? Did they give you any credit? They gave me credit, but like, I didn't. I just I didn't really care because it's like it's Red Bull. It's a gigantic. They didn't even ask you. No, like if they, they would have, yeah, they would have asked me. Maybe I probably would have said yeah, but like I think they just felt like I'd be so excited to have my photo on Red Bull, which I mean is great, but it's just like I, I'm not doing it for free. You know what I mean? Yeah. No. Good for you. Yeah. I'm sorry that happens. No, it happens. It's part of the business. And, uh, you know, one shoot I was interested in talking to you about is uh, you photographed Bill Gates. Uh, I I was curious, how how was that experience? How much time did you get with them? And how was your uh, experience photographing a guy like that? That, It was, the shoot went really well. Um, With with that particular situation, I I think he only gave me five minutes or less. Mm-hmm. So I had to really, I think I got to his office a few hours early, scouted, found my spot, set up my seamless, and I just was ready yeah. for him mm-hmm. just to shoot us. You know, you just have to hope you can engage with the subject and have a little rapport with them and they'll open up and give you a little something. Yep. And the shot that's on my website is the last frame that I shot. Oh, wow. When he was getting up, when he was getting up to leave, he was happy that she was over. <laughs> so he gave me, he gave me a little smile and that was it. That was the shot. Yeah, because like, how do you? So, how, yeah, what do you think the key is to like dealing with those situations where you don't get a lot of time? What's what's your approach generally? Are you trying to like focus just kind of getting one good photo, or you try to like jam in as much as you can in that time frame, or how do you approach those shoots where you don't get a lot of time? I am just trying to get one good photo yep. for the magazine mm-hmm. or for the newspaper or what have you. Yep. And it's just, it's really all about luck, what the subject will give you. I mean, sometimes people just don't want to be having their picture taken and they're just grumpy mm-hmm. or sometimes they're in an amazing mood and they give you all sorts of looks and you've got a ton of images to work with. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, on those shoots that are like two or three minutes or four minutes, I mean, it's really hard. I mean, sometimes I've walked away from shoots with nothing. Yeah. Where you're like, okay, that sucked. But you know what? It was totally out of my control. Yep. And on to the next shoot. Yeah. You know, I did the best I could. I did the best I could. Yeah. Yeah, it's only, so much, you can... it's only so much you can do. Because I'm sure you've been thrown into it before where, like, they don't give you any time really to set up. Then they don't give you much time to shoot. So it's like... You're just going to get what you can get and hopefully it works out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, and luckily I've worked with a lot of great photo editors that are understanding and if a shoot doesn't really go well, I go back to them and just tell them what happened and it is what it is. Yeah. And you, all you can do is your best. Yeah. I so think, I, I do try to, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. I think like in my experience, the way I approach it is like, I just try to like, if it's like a grumpy person, like I found it, like if you try to like relate to them, I'll be like, I'll just say like stupid shit, like, uh, I hate having my picture too taken too, man. This it stinks, <laughs> and sometimes it, yeah. you, you'll get a laugh from them, sometimes not, and then it's just like whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, that's you got to have a lot of little 
little things in your bag. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just trying to get get good expressions out of people. Yeah, definitely. Whether it's jokes or I don't know. Yeah, trying to just not take get don't take their picture for a minute. Talk to them. Mm-hmm. Get to know them a little bit in the three minutes that you have. Yeah. <laughs> just, I mean, it's crazy. It's it is a really challenging thing to get an amazing photo when you only have a few minutes with somebody but yeah yeah, there are photographers that get it sometimes and it's Mm -hmm. pretty amazing yeah definitely definitely and like how has like editorial photography changed since you got into it and like where where do you feel like things are going because like for me i'm like so interested i'm like is editorial going to be around in 10 years because i feel it seems like every month like i just saw outside magazine they went from 12 issues a year to eight and then Rolling Stone used to oh, do no. Rolling Stone used to do two issues a month. Now they're one, and it's like um, how, how, has editorial photography changed the business of it? Changed a lot since you got into it. Anything that's kind of been different, I guess. Oh yeah, the landscape has changed so much. Mm. I mean, I mean, first of course, from you know when the recession hit in two thousand eight, I feel like a ton of magazines folded. Yep. And then from there, it sort of snowballed. So it's like, uh-oh, okay, what are we going to do now? Yeah. But then slowly you would see, okay. Hello? There's ad agencies that are still producing content. Yep. There's still lots of photo jobs out there. Mm-hmm. You know, you can shoot weddings, you can shoot hotels, you can shoot, there's all sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, with editorial, I do feel like, the magazines are dwindling. Mm-hmm. Everybody's, it's, you know, they're changing, even they're even changing the names of their job positions. Like photo editors aren't photo editors anymore. They're visual directors. Or content. And they have yeah, like, yeah. yeah, they have like five magazines under them that they're producing for now. Yeah, it's wild. Because everybody wants to save money. Yeah, so it is a scary time, mm-hmm. um, you know, being in the magazine world, but that's why you have to, you have to kind of branch out. You have to diversify and you have to try to do other things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Cause <laughs> you want to make a living. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, it's tough. Yeah. Cause like I said before, like you, it looks like you do a mix, you do some like advertising stuff and then you also do uh, some motion work is the motion stuff, something you enjoy doing. Is it like, you want to keep doing more of that or how do you, what's, Oh your... yeah. I would love to do more of that. Um, there's so much to learn. I have so much to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the last motion job I did was I was DP on the Silver Sun pickups video for yeah, their pretty, pretty song "Circadian Rhythm," which is which was amazing. I I know the director Susie Belchek. She um, I met her through Joe Poliesi years ago when I was working with Art Stryber. Mm-hmm. When she moved to LA, she got a little job working for him. We just been friends over the years, and she always liked my night stuff, my night landscapes. And so when the opportunity popped up for her to shoot, to direct this video, she was like, I want Amanda to be my DP. Wow. So she brought me on and it was an amazing learning experience. And yeah, I would love to do more. Yeah. It's like a whole other realm that I would love to jump into. Hey, well, you, li- um, you, li- you live in the right city to learn how to do more of that. I know, so. <laughs> I know right? Right. I definitely won't be moving to South Oklahoma Dakota. anytime soon. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, I think I like you know that's that's exciting, and I think like we we're saying like uh, you got to be able to adapt, and the more you can offer your clients, uh, I think that's when people are going to be able to just keep moving, you know, because it's just oh yeah, it's uh, it's tough, but anytime you can have another skill set and offer that to your clients, I think it can go a long ways for sure. Um, oh yeah, I mean even whether it's teaching or doing workshops or I don't know running out your gear. I mean, there's so many, I just, I'm thinking about photography as a whole, like even being an assistant, Yep. you know, there's people that I know that I've are like, okay, I don't want to assist anymore, but I want to branch out and do something bigger and make more money. And they'll open up, you know, they'll do like a grip company or oh, open yeah. up a studio, you know, it's just, you have to diversify and do as many things as you can in yep. this climate and like how's your how's your like approach to marketing these days like i know like when you first started out you said you're doing like a lot of uh just printed promos um is that something you still do these days do you have a printed portfolio or what's kind of been like your marketing these days i guess well everybody's like oh yeah you need to do e-promos e-promos but i i don't know i've done them i just 
I don't really know if they work for me. Mm-hmm. I, maybe they have, but um, I really do like doing printed promos. I yeah. feel like people like getting tangible, you know, objects that they can hold in their hands, put up on their wall. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's a little more special than just getting an email. Definitely. That you can just click on and put in the trash mm-hmm. and unsubscribe from. So I try to do one printed promo piece a year yep. if I can. Um, as far as portfolios go, I, you know, I don't, I have a bunch of printed portfolios, but they're not up to date. I haven't had my books called in yeah. to places in years. <laughs> I feel like people are just looking at websites and Instagram and yeah, and that's, that's it. And then there's like a lot I of these, like, have yeah. you, have you done any of these? Like there's like these, uh, maybe it's more for advertising, but there's like workbook, which is like an online database for like commercial photographers. And there's like ad edge found folios have you have you messed around with any of those like uh source books i guess at all i haven't i've been asked um to be a part of those and i can't really i mean i don't have the marketing budget yeah to do that they're not cheap nope so i i tended to sort of stray away from doing those. No, I think it's smart. I did, yeah. I, I did found folios maybe like five, six years ago, and I, it was a complete waste of money. I think, for, for at least in my experience, it's just like shooting new work and just try to send it out there. And I think the printed stuff, anything anything that's more personable, I think that's, the, in my experience, can go longer, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think... I, I think, yeah, it's, it's too much money. Yeah. <laughs> so I just can't afford it. So. <laughs> not, not me neither. It's a lot of money. Um, it's like, and it's a gamble too. It's a gamble. You don't know yeah. who is going to look at it or who's going to care. And yeah, if you can do something more personable, that's, that's the way to go in my opinion. It's always, it's worked for me yep. in the past. So I tend to stick with what works. Yeah, definitely. And rather than taking gambles. Yeah. Just keep it. This <laughs> financial gambles. Take, take, uh, taste like, taste like nice photos and keep it simple. I think that's all you got to do. Um, yes, absolutely. A couple more questions. I'll let you go. Uh, one thing I was kind of curious about being that like you're shooting, like some of these jobs are, you're going to need a crew assistants and producers. Um, how important are, is that crew for what you do? And like, what are you looking for when you're going to hire a new assistant for y- your, your crew, I guess? Uh, well, I, of course, my crew is really important. Mm-hmm. My assistants are huge and just helping me knowing, knowing what, what I'm going to need and just, being present and hustling to help me get the job done and do a good job. So I've been working with a lot of my assistants for years. I'm pretty loyal. Um, I do get a lot of people that reach out to me asking to assist me Mm -hmm. or meet with me. And, you know, it's hard. I try to respond to as many emails as I can, but it's just, it's hard to make room for the new, you know, for the newbies. Oh yeah, definitely. And you got the people you trust. You know they they're, they're going to do the yeah. job, the job right, and they know your work. Well, yeah, they rely. You know they rely on you for income, and it's I yeah. can't be like, oh well, I'm gonna, you know, no, you're not coming down this job, so I'm gonna bring this. You know, if I if I have a big job where I can get two or three assistants on, then yeah, maybe the third assistant will be mm-hmm. someone I've never worked with or somebody, yep. yeah, a newbie who just. Mm. wants to see what's going on. I mean, that's what Art did with me. Yep. I think he had, you know, a huge job. There were three or four assistants. I was like the fifth assistant. I was basically a PA mm-hmm. um, just to see what was going on. I mean, it's always a gamble, too. When you work with new people, you don't know, like, are they going to hustle? Are they going to be on their phone all the time? Like, yeah. <laughs> are they going to have their head in the clouds? Show up it's on just, time. <laughs> yeah. And it's just a risk. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, of course, I prefer to meet with people first to see if it's a good fit, to see if our personalities jive. and Definitely. Um, and then from there, yeah, I'll get, you know, if the right job comes up, I'll give call you to come on. No, yeah, that, to give them a shot. No, it's interesting because I know a lot of people listening because I've had people reach out and they want to start assisting people and they're always curious how you get in the mix. And uh, no, it's inter- interesting to hear because I know even in my experience, yeah. when I first got out of college, it, it kind of took me a while. It's just like it's like with anything, uh, you got to be persistent to get uh, editorial jobs and you got to be persistent to get assisting jobs. I don't think there's really any difference, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's also, you know, like I said, when I was first starting out, I offered to work for free. I mean, I know a lot of people out there aren't going to want to do that or they might not have the means to do that, but mm-hmm. 
I made myself more appealing to photographers that were doing low budget jobs. Yep. That didn't have money to pay an assistant, so they brought me on. Yeah. Come so, on. Yeah, definitely. Any, yeah, I mean, I have a, I have a lot of jobs that just don't pay a lot, and I don't have enough money to get a second or a third assistant. Oh, so, d- yeah. A lot of times, I'll shoot for the Wall Street Journal. Like, if they, if I shoot a job for them, most of the time it would just be a portrait. I don't even hire an assistant because if I did, I wouldn't make any money. <laughs> it's like. Oh yeah, absolutely. I've done, I've done the same thing. So. <laughs> yep. Yeah, if I could, if somebody reached out to me and was like, "I'll work for you for free," like we can see it's a good fit like yeah i'll take you on mm-hmm. it's just uh, not a lot of people offer that yeah <laughs> so, and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be like hey work for me for free yeah no yeah. no definitely i get it and i guess like uh, in your mind you've been doing this for a while um what do you think is the key to like maintaining a career in this business because as you know it's hard enough just to start to but to maintain it for years and keep doing it what do you think kind of keeps you going and what's has there been like a mantra for you is something you kind of stick to uh what's kind of been your key to success i guess i mean just my love for what i'm doing i it just keeps me going i mean i i love what i do so much i don't love anything else <laughs> so it's like i don't have another i don't have a choice yeah you just gotta <laughs> like, make it work this has to this has to work yeah, because yeah. i this is my career path that I've chosen since I was 18 years old. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you just have to stay focused. You have to hustle. Yep. You have to shoot as much as you can, as much personal work as you can. Mm. You have to stay positive. I mean, so much of this job is people not responding to you, not calling you back, not liking the shoots you did. Yep. And you have to be, you have to have a tough skin for this business. You have to not care. Oh, yeah. It's, and it's, you have to be like, fuck yeah. it. Like, <laughs> I, my work's good and I'm going to keep doing this. Yeah, it's about it's about it's like it's like it's like ninety it's ninety nine percent no's and then you get that one one yes you know it's uh yeah it's, it's, oh yeah it's a lot of reject I mean, a lot a of rejection lot, a lot of rejection a lot of criticism a lot of yeah I mean I've done jobs in the past where photo editors have hated work I've done and have told me and uh, then I've never worked for them again yep you know and it's like well fuck it they're lost I don't care on to the next you know there's other clients to work for. Yeah, it's like I said a million times. So, like, if, if you try to cater to everybody, you'll cater to nobody. And with photography, like, it's an art, and it's so it's so subjective. Like, you could be – I've had – it's so interesting. I've done, like, these portfolio reviews where you pay money, you go sit down, photo editors will look at your work, and you'll meet with 15 people in one day. And it's so interesting to see. One person will be like, this is amazing, this is great. And then the next person will be like, this sucks. Why did you even put this in here? You know what I mean? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I've been to New York so many times and I've met with editors where I'm like, oh, that meeting went so well. And then I would never hear from them. And it was always the meetings that I was like, oh, that didn't go so well that I would hear from. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, no, it it is true. Me and my friends have like a running joke where it's just like, oh, yeah, you know how those good meetings go. (laughs) A lot of times, like you said, they don't go anywhere. But that's just it's a numbers game and just pounding the pavement, you know. Um, yeah, it's a really weird profession, and there's all sorts of mixed messages, and you can never make sense of any of them, really. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's it's yeah, it's it's tough. And I guess this is my last question. Um, like you've been doing this for a while. Um, do you have any goals for your photography moving forward? Anything you're hoping to work on? I guess. Yeah, I mean, like I said earlier, I would love to. You know, my New Year's resolution is to just do more personal projects to work on just a fresh just to brainstorm some cool new ideas and just go out and shoot more. Um, I haven't really done anything since my night landscapes and it's, you know, really, I need to get back out there and and shoot more personal work and that, yeah, I mean, hopefully other people are listening and that'll motivate them to do the same because it's so important. Hell yeah. I feel bad when I, I feel bad when I'm not shooting. Oh yeah, definitely. I feel myself. Yeah. Like I'll go like, if I go like a month or something, like there's this time where we're not doing anything. I'm like, ah, like, what am I doing? <laughs> this, yeah. 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 I get depressed. I'm yeah. like, wait a minute. I can't. Yeah. I don't want to be staring at the computer doing retouching no. or working on my website any longer. Yep. No, <laughs> I, need I, to go out and shoot. <laughs> I agree. But, uh, yeah, uh, Amanda, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to do this. And, uh, for, of pe- course. for people listening, where's the best place to check out your work? 
Uh, well, my website, amandafriedman.com or at Instagram, which is Amanda E. Friedman. Perfect. I'll link it and people can go check it out. Thank you so much. So there you have it. That was the Amanda Friedman interview. I want to thank Amanda so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. It was a real pleasure getting a chance to speak with her about all her work and everything she's done within photography. Um, So definitely go check out Amanda's website at amandafriedman.com as well as her Instagram, Amanda Friedman. Uh, I'll link it in the description and everything. So definitely go check out her website and work. Lots of cool stuff up there. And as always, I'll be having weekly podcasts every Monday on iTunes, SoundCloud, as well as my website, alexgagnephoto.com, and on my Instagram, at alexgagnephoto. Thanks so much for listening, and take care.